So he spoke, and they carefully listened to him and obeyed him. First they started by washing themselves, then putting on tunics. Also the women arrayed themselves, and the godlike singer took up the hollow lyre, and he stirred up longing among them, both for the sweetness of song and the blameless pleasure of dancing. Now the great palace about them resounded aloud with the feet of men who were festively dancing and women in beautiful girdles. Thus would say one of those who listened outside of the palace, Certainly someone has married the queen who has been so much courted. Miserable wretch! She did not hold out for the husband she wedded, steadily keeping the great house up until he could return home. So would one of them say, as they did not know what had happened. Straightway the housekeeper, old Eurynome, there in his own house bathed great-hearted Odysseus and rubbed him with oil of the olive, then threw garments about him, a beautiful cloak and a tunic. Over his head did Athena suffuse great beauty and make him taller to see than before, more mighty. The hair on his head she made flow down, thick curls that resembled a hyacinth flower. As when a man, well skilled at the task, lays gold over silver, one who was taught his craft by Hephaestus and Pallas Athena, every sort of technique, and the work he achieves is delightful, so upon him did she now pour grace on his head and his shoulders. He came forth from the basin in form most like the immortals. Then he again sat down on the armchair whence he had risen, facing his wife as before, and he spoke these words and addressed her. You strange woman, the gods who inhabit Olympian dwellings, gave you a heart that beyond any womanly nature is stubborn. Other than you, no woman would thus, with an obstinate spirit, stand so far from her husband, who, suffering many afflictions, came in the twentieth year back home to the land of his fathers. But come, Mama, and spread out a bed for me, so that alone I may lie down, for the heart in the breast of this woman is iron. Prudent Penelope then spoke answering words and addressed him. You strange man, I am not being proud, nor at all do I slight you, nor am I over-impressed. I know very well what you looked like when you departed from Ithaca once on the long-oared galley. But come, make up the stout bedstead for the man, Eurycleia, outside the well-built chamber, the one that the master himself built. There, after bringing the stout bedstead, put bedding upon it, fleeces beneath, then mantles and covers of shimmering fabric. So she spoke to make proof of her husband, but straightway Odysseus angrily spoke and addressed his devoted and virtuous bedmate. These are indeed, my wife, heart-anguishing words you have spoken. Who can have put my bed in another place? Even for someone very expert, it would be quite hard, unless one of the gods came personally, who could easily put it elsewhere if he wished to. No one of mortals who now are alive, even one in full vigor, ever could easily change its position, because in the well-wrought bed a great token was fixed. I worked on it. Nobody else did. Growing inside of the court was the long-leaved trunk of an olive tree in the prime of its vigor, and it was as stout as a pillar. So around this I constructed the chamber until I was finished, building with close-set stones, and above I skillfully roofed it, 
also put on the doors, well-jointed and fitting exactly. Finally, then, I cut off the crown of the long-leaved olive, trimmed the stump up from the root, then smoothed it around with a brazen adze expertly and well, and I trued it straight to a chalk line, fashioning it as a bedpost, and bored all the holes with an augur. Starting from that, I worked on the bedstead until I was finished, added adornments of gold and of silver and ivory inlays, stretched on the bed frame a strapping of oxhide shining with purple. This is the token that I have declared to you. I do not know now whether it still stands firm for me, woman, or whether already someone has put it elsewhere, first cutting the trunk of the olive. So he spoke, and the limbs and the heart inside her were loosened, as she perceived to be certain the tokens Odysseus had shown her. Starting to weep, she ran straight up to him then, and she threw her arms on the neck of Odysseus, and kissed his head, and addressed him. Do not be angry at me now, Odysseus, for otherwise you are far the most thoughtful of men. Our afflictions the gods have assigned us. Those who begrudged it to us to remain here always together, taking our joy in our youth, then reaching the threshold of old age. So do not now be angry with me over this, nor resent it, that when I saw you first I did not greet you as I now do. For it is true that the dear heart deep in my bosom was always chill with the fear that a man might some day come and beguile me merely by speaking, for many men meditate evil devices. Neither, in fact, would Helen of Argos, the offspring of Zeus, have mingled in love and in bed with a man from an alien people, if she had known that the warlike sons of Achaeans would bring her back once more to her home, to the much-loved land of her fathers. It was a god who aroused her to do so shameful an action. Never before she had laid in her heart such hateful and reckless folly from which first came to us also affliction and sorrow. Now, since you have already related a manifest token as to our nuptial bed, which no other man has seen ever, but you only and I, and as well just one of the handmaids, Actoris, whom my father had given to me when I came here, she who used to stand guard at the doors of the strong-built chamber, you have persuaded my heart, although it indeed has been stubborn." She spoke, stirring in him yet greater desire for lamenting. He wept, holding his wife so virtuous, lovely, devoted. Just as appears most welcome the mainland to men who are swimming, those whose well-made galley Poseidon has smashed on the open sea after it has been pounded by storm winds and powerful billows. Few are the men who escape from the silvery sea to the mainland, swimming, and much salt scurf from the brine has encrusted their bodies. Then most welcome they go on the mainland, escaping from evils. So most welcome to her as she looked on him was her husband. Neither at all from his neck she loosed the embrace of her white arms. Now would the dawn have shone forth rose-fingered as they were lamenting, were other things not devised by the goddess, bright-eyed Athena? Keeping the course of the long night lingering, dawn of the gold throne she held away at the bounds of the ocean, and she would not let her harness the swift-footed horses that carry the daylight to people. Lampos and Phaethon, radiant colts who bring on the morning. <laughs> 